it sounds so trivial, but I think so many people don't know who their ideal client is, who they're trying to serve, who they're trying to reach. And so it's kind of like throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks. Like, do you know what I mean? Like versus like when I close my eyes, I know exactly who I'm speaking to. And so that makes everything I do so much easier and means I can be so much more strategic. Hello, hello. This is your host, Dhyutama, and welcome to My Food Lens Podcast, where we talk about everything from food photography, styling, to business and mindset. After 15 years as an architect, I switched careers and I'm now a professional food stylist and food photographer based in Singapore. I'm also the founder of the business My Food Lens, where we help clients elevate their brand through drool-worthy photos. My motto is, put your best food forward. Well, here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Hi, guys. So today we are talking to Kimberly Espinel. She is a food stylist, food photographer based in London. And she's also an award-winning food photographer. She's a best-selling author. She runs a food photography business. And she has worked with many prestigious clients like KitchenAid, Sony, and Otto Lenghi. And you'll hear me mention this many, many times in this episode. And that's because that's a real connect that I have with Kimberly because Otto Lenghi is definitely one of my dream clients. But the reason I wanted to bring Kimberly on a podcast is because working with Ottolungi is no joke, boss. All right. It takes real skill. It takes another level of talent and it takes many other things to book your dream client or to get an opportunity to work with them. And that's exactly what she's going to tell us all about. She's actually going to walk us through the skills that we need to have to book our you know, dream clients or to just work with clients to step out in the commercial food photography world to really hit a home run every time we set our foot out for a job. So she's going to leave us with a lot of insight and information on how it worked for her, what it looked like for her, how did it start and how has she reached this phenomenal milestone that so many food photographers would dream of, right? With that, let's get started. On to Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly, and welcome to My Food Lens Podcast. It's such a delight. It's such an honor to have you here. And you know, it's always extra special when my guest is a podcast host themselves. So this is very exciting. And I'm also very excited about our chat later, which is all about client work, you know, all the skills and the kind of work that we need to create, all the pricing that we need to think about, just everything that goes into hitting a home run if we want to work with clients and you clearly ace it. So before we get into all the good stuff, Kimberly, if you could please introduce yourself to our audience. Yes, of course. So my name is Kimberly Espinel. I'm a food photographer. I'm a food photography teacher. I'm also a podcaster. Um, My podcast is called Eat, Capture, Share. It's a podcast for food photographers and food bloggers. I'm the author of the Amazon bestselling book, Creative Food Photography. And I'm a creative business mentor for food photographers too. So lots of, lots of hats there. 
And I'm a mama as well, a wife, and I live in London in the UK. Fabulous. Oh, my God. It's, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So tell us, Kimberly, how, how long have you been a food stylist and photographer? And how did you even come about? How, how did you get here being these 10,000 things that you are today? How did it start? It started really all by accident, I would say. So um, when I became a mom, uh, so I was a social worker for a very long time, for well over a decade. I was uh, first I worked in child protection, and then I worked essentially in adoption and fostering. So that's really what my area specialty was. And then when I gave birth to my son, you know, I quickly realized that sort of nine to five job and social work really is eight to eight more. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. that really wasn't going to suit this new role that I had, you know, motherhood. And so I was like, you know, what are the things I love? What are the things I'm into? And actually I was like, you know, I've always been passionate about food. So I decided to retrain as a nutritional therapist. And within my very first year of those studies, I said, you know, when I graduate, well, that was my business hat already there. You know, I was like, when I graduate, who's going to know who I am? Like, how am I going to find clients? Let me start a food blog now and kind of develop an audience, a following, uh, accumulate some plant-based recipes because I sort of fairly recently ish gone plant-based. And by the time I graduate in three years, I will have something to show for it. I will have a baseline. And so when I got my secondhand camera on eBay and I took the very first shots for my blog, I fell in love, really. You know, like that is <laughs> wow. how I can, that's the only way I can describe it. And, you know, throughout the course of my studies, by the time I graduated, I was really quite certain that I wanted to do food photography and styling rather than nutrition. And I'd already gotten paid work during my study. So I knew it was possible. And yeah. so, so I went full time into food photography and styling about five years ago. So I've been behind the camera, as it were, for more than eight years now. Oh, my God. I mean, that is another level of planning, another level of vision. Goodness. <laughs> when you said accident, I was like, ooh, one thing led to the other. But wow, this is amazing. So you've gone from nutritional therapist, right? From that to food styling, photography. But food is really at the core of this. And, you know, a lot of like cooking 100%. and yes. 100%. And, and also yes. your shift to like veganism to plant-based, right? So today, when you work with clients, how do you primarily position yourself? Like, are you mostly the food stylist? Are you mostly the food photographer? Are you all in one still wearing all those hats? So, you know, it's interesting because I still get prop styling jobs. I still get food styling jobs, but really and truly, you know, if you look at my Instagram bio, for example, I mainly position myself as a food photographer. So I've moved away from the food stylist. I do think having done, worked as a stylist, you know, having done all the different parts of the process that is putting a food photo together, I do think that gives me an edge because I'm good at all the different elements that are required. And most food bloggers are, I have to say, you know, we have to select our props. We have to cook the food. We have to style the food. Then we have to photograph it. Then we have to edit, which is kind of like a whole separate yep. yeah. skill. So, you know, that's really the beauty of having started with a food blog is that you're trained in all the areas needed. And so I think um, right now, generally when I get food styling jobs, I pass them on to my students, unless yeah. it's a job that really is challenging or it's a really special client, then I'll, I'll do it. But I tend to pass them on to my students and really step into the food photographer role because I feel that's where I'm best and that's where I can serve my clients best. 
And um, yeah, but but I think what is helpful is, you know, if if somebody comes and styles a plate and the photo isn't working, I can see exactly where things have gone wrong. And, you know, I think that comes from years of food styling experience. So um, I think there's a benefit to kind of doing and knowing it all and being able to wear all the hats if need be. That's fantastic. That's amazing. So I'm so glad that you bring this up because I know that you do a food photography mentorship and then you also run workshops. I know that you said a little bit about you bought your first camera, you know, your second hand camera, and then you just loved it and you took photos. But how did you learn food photography? How did you get into the technicalities? So let me start off by saying I'm not a very technical photographer. I'm a very intuitive photographer, I would say. Um, so number one, 100% was practice. So when I got my camera, and for me, I think I paid a hundred pounds, which would be like maybe 150 US dollars. So it wasn't a lot, but I was like, oh my God, I've invested all this money. Yeah. Now I need to make the most out of this camera. So I made a promise to myself to pick up the camera every single day. And I did pretty much for that very first year. I would say every day I shot something. I didn't post all of it, but I really picked it up and just went for it. And I'm not really a YouTube consumer. So as far as I knew, there wasn't anything on YouTube or anything that I would have, you know, be nothing like there is now anyway. Right. Yeah. But so it was really trial and error, trial and error. I got a book. Plate to pixel, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Plate to pixel. You know, the that was at the time the only real food photography book that existed. I got that, devoured that, and then I would say about maybe a year, just a year in, I I knew the camera. I knew so, you know, I knew the basics. I was like, there's something missing in my photography, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. quoi, sort mm -hmm, of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, coincidentally, I found out there was an in-person workshop being held in London and I decided to go to that. And I have to say that was really uh, transformative, actually. Just so first of all, Olia Hercules was the food stylist and a lot of people know her now because she's very vocal now with the Ukraine situation. So mm -hmm. she was the food styling teacher. Um, you know, like, you know, some really, really amazing people, beautiful, stunning location in a gorgeous a restaurant in East London. And so, you know, just having these amazing teachers guide me and pinpoint exactly where my strengths were and where I was going wrong. That was, you know, like a penny dropped. Yeah. And I think from there on, it was just upwards, upwards. And then there was like another little hurdle where it's like, there's just something, something I need to figure out to really define my style. And then I did a one-to-one -one workshop hmm. um, with um, someone called Marta Marie Forsberg. And I think after that, I felt really like I was in my stride and, um, you know, haven't looked back since. Yes. And also because of that, because I know the power that is group workshops and one-to-ones, that's why I also ended up offering that, you know, because I know it can just be the final push you need yeah. to go that level. Yeah. It just makes your journey a lot smoother. It tells you yes. exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you just yeah. can't see it and it takes a third person to see and yes, tell you. Exactly. Amazing. So tell us, I know that you said that you're not a very technical person, but hello, I see a tripod, the giant tripod right <laughs> behind. So please tell us what gear are you using currently? So um, I have two, I actually have three cameras, um, but the one I use the most actually is probably my Canon 
Actually, my Canon Mark III is the one I use most often. I have a Mark IV as well. And I have a couple of lenses. My most used one is a 24 to 70, 2.8 Canon lens. I really enjoy working with that one. And I have my tripod, which is, I think it's been discontinued. Like I get every time I feature it in my stories, I get someone's like, where did you get that tripod? Yes. I think it's been discontinued. It's the Manfrotto 058B. Oh, yep. I know. It's taller than me. I know it. Yes. It's really, really <laughs> tall. Like it's really sturdy, you know, yes. it's really, but I think it's been discontinued, but I guess you could use like a C-stand and you You're- still have that height. Or something similar, like you mm. don't necessarily, like for me, it's helpful because I shoot on a table rather than on the floor. Um, I think that's really kind of my main go-to. I have a Godex, I think it's a Godex light, AD600, the AD600. So it's a flash. Right. I don't use that very often, but mm. I do have it. So oh. um, yeah, that's kind of my gear in a nutshell. Yeah, perfect. So I'm going to go back a little bit about, you know, I'm I'm very intrigued by when you said that it was just little by little that you found that things were falling into place by, you know, the kind of learnings that you were going through the workshops and all of that. So tell me when you began to put yourself out there, when you were trying to break into the market as a food photographer, like what were some of the skills? Like what were these learnings? What is it that was like, aha, okay, that's what I was missing. You know, what were these skills that you kind of said, okay, here's what I need. And now I'm going to go out and position myself as a food photographer. And how did clients find you then? So what was those first set of skills that you identified for yourself, like as a professional? Oh, that's a hard question. So I think you know, from the workshop, from the very first one, what I really took away from that was studying light. And, you know, there's studying light and then there's really studying light. And it was kind of seeing light, analyzing it, recognizing it, because I work 99% with natural light. So really just understanding how it ebbs, how it flows, how it falls, how light and shadow interplay, highlights, you know, like all those things, the kind of nitty gritty, nitty gritty. I think that really was like, a penny drop type of thing. I think I mentioned before, like that was really, really helpful. And that skill, that means I'm not afraid really of any shoot situation. Like last week I did a shoot, an outdoor shoot in harsh light. Like I know exactly what I'm looking for, if that makes sense, you know? Um, I think with Marta Marie, what really helped me there was to hone in on what was my style and to really fine tune my visual storytelling skills. So I've actually moved a little bit away from the visual storytelling type of photography, but I feel still feel that my photography, which much more editorial now has been for a couple of years, really still has that storytelling element woven in. Um, and as for clients finding me, so I, you know, I was thinking about this because just today I posted a Q and A on my stories and I'd say like five or six people asked, like, how do you find clients? How do I get more clients? So it's a question I get asked so much. And I've been really blessed that finding clients hasn't been something that I've ever struggled with. Mm -hmm. And so that's never been an issue um, for me. So, you know, that's made me kind of go like, okay, what am I doing differently than what? So I think it's a couple of things. For one is I really set everything up so that clients can find me. right? Right. So that I really set everything up in all my social channels, my website, my everything I do, I make it so that whoever I want to attract understands that I'm here to serve them. And that comes from really knowing who you want to serve, 
who your ideal client is. And I mentioned this in stories today. It sounds so trivial, but I think so many people don't know who their ideal client is, who they're trying to serve, who they're trying to reach. And so it's kind of like throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks. Like, do you know what I mean? Like versus like when I close my eyes, I know exactly who I'm speaking to. And so that makes everything I do so much easier and it means I can be so much more strategic. So that would be my tip number one. Actually understand who you're trying to attract. Like, because I'm not trying to attract everyone. I don't want clients. I want a very specific client. And then the second thing is, um, and I'll talk about this more in my newsletter actually, but um, I really think that what has set me apart from other people is the fact that I'm not on one platform and one platform alone. Like I think a lot of people have put all their eggs into the Instagram basket, which is awesome. Um, but I think if you want to go pro, it's also very risky to just be in one place. And I'm a very risk averse business owner. Like a risk is not something that I like, you know, I like to create as secure a business foundation as I can. So I would never ever be just on one platform. And then the final thing is, I think I'm really just very tuned into what I'm doing and who I am and I know who I am and I know where my strengths lie and I know where my weaknesses lie. So I can really, really hone in on my strengths and showcase that and just be uniquely me. And I think that's kind of the third, third bit really that's helped me find the clients that I want. Oh, wow. And a lot of this was already clear to you right in the beginning when you were starting out. Is that right? Um, I'm not sure. Certain things. Yes. Like, but also I'm, I'm very much an analytics person in lots of ways. So I look at my data. I look at, um, like I really delve into what's resonating, what's not resonating. Why is it resonating? Who's it resonating with? Like, you know, I just analyze data basically (laughs) to get a really good sense. So, you know, like for example, with clients, I will always say, where did you find me? What about my work? You know, drew you to me so I can understand what it is. You know, yeah. so it's not like I, I just started and I was like, okay, I know exactly. No, like it's something that evolves, but it evolves by really f- listening and paying yeah. attention, watching the data. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your first paid project and how that came about. And what what would you say that your skill sets were at that time? So my very first paid gig was for a like was for me as an influencer, I would say. So ah, um, they asked, yeah. So they asked me to create a recipe, photography, a blog post, and then share it on social. So that was my very, very first job that I ever got paid for. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, so that was the very first one. And then my very first food photography role. Yes was for it was kind of about the same time actually and it was to create um it also included creating recipes not to share in my blog but it was to create recipes and or shoot recipes for a granola brand so they wanted people to use their granola in lots of different ways mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. for me to showcase what that looked like and the packaging and that kind of stuff and so what i did there was we had like a contract like a one year contract where i shot one recipe a month. Yep. And uh and that was my very first kind of more proper uh food photography paid job. So yeah. And in that you you got a sense of like the entire spectrum because you were doing the recipe development. You were also yeah. doing the photography. So that must have been a fantastic experience. 
Yes. I think what it really helped me to see was how long everything takes. So how long it takes to buy the ingredients, to recipe test. You know, again, a lot of people ask, how do I charge for my work? Well, actually understand how long every part of the process takes so that you can, you know, you can calculate either your hourly rate or your day rate or something or your project rate much more accurately. It's so hard to set a rate for something if you have no idea, no clue of the work and the time involved. Like it's like, you know, sticking a pin in the wall and just like trying to hit bullseye kind of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. You can't do that if you don't know. So again, kind of figuring that out, like, okay, actually to buy the ingredients, wash the dishes, do the shoot, edit, blah, 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 deliver the client, re-edit really takes a day to day and a half. Now, what do I want to earn for day's work? You know, that kind of really helps. So um, that was invaluable for that, for that specific thing in terms of pricing. Right. And I'm sure that as you had more and more client work, which is pretty much how it works, is that we keep observing, okay, here's a new pattern, here's a new trend, here's something that they're asking for. And okay, here's something that we, something new you learn or something new you want to invest in or or whatever that is. So what did you observe as you started getting more and more client work? Did you observe that, okay, here's a gap in my skill set or, okay, here's a trend that I'm seeing. Here's a pattern of what they are asking. And this is something that I should be looking at. Were there specific things that you saw maybe in the first few clients that started rolling in? Not really, because what I would say is that clients came to me because they saw what I was doing and that's what they wanted. So I never had a client come to me and say, you know, we want something heavily photoshopped where there's pancakes floating in the air. Like I never had that. Never had a client come to me, ask for that. You know, if somebody had, of course, like I'm not a super duper photoshop person, but because my images and everything is set up so that a client who's looking for that would never approach me, it hasn't happened, if that makes sense. You know, that really goes back to, I'm attracting the person that I can best serve. And so the only thing I will say is, um, you know, I've shot natural light really for seven years. And now I have some clients where shoot days are very long. And wintertime here in London, just, you know, at 4 p.m., it's pitch dark. So where I've had to say, okay, you know, I do need to get an artificial light for that. But I think because I have a good understanding of working with natural light, that again came to me quite easily, which is the technique, like how right, do you right, put the, right. you know, like the trigger. And, yeah. um, but apart from that, because also I'm not, it's not like I'm like, okay, I've made it. I've arrived. I know everything. I'm always studying. I'm always learning. I'm always observing, watching, reading, you know? So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) Yeah. I I guess it's just about how did you identify gaps or how did you know, okay, this is something I should, because we're continuously evolving. Like you said, we're continuously learning. So with every project, there's at least a learning that comes through. There's at least something and we all start somewhere, right? So, mm-hmm. so I've gone all the way back. <laughs> That's where I am right now. I'm, you know, I'm walking through how clients have come to you. And then little by little, you've kind of, you know, put the puzzle pieces together. You've identified what you need to work on or, you know, something you need to add to your creative vocabulary. So 
I guess that's that's where I was coming from. So let's talk about some skills. So we're we're talking about you know how you talked about understanding of light, like that's the foundation, right? You talked mm-hmm. about uh, styling and a lot of other facets that go into really start coming ground up, right? So if I had to ask you your top five skills, and they can they're food styling and photography, so they can either be the same or mm-hmm. they are different for a food stylist mm-hmm. and photographer. But if I had to ask you the top five skills that one needs, a food stylist and photographer needs, what would they be? Understanding light is number one, the most important thing. I would say having a really good sense of color theory and also understanding your color story. Um, I think having a strong, recognizable editing style, I think that's really helpful just to elevate and take everything to the next level. Um, I think understanding the market and understanding trends is probably number four. And I would say showcasing your work in the best possible way. So having a really refined portfolio and, you know, really being thoughtful in what you share and how you share it and where you share it is number five. So all those things, I think, really kind of help. Wow. It was like, boom, 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 boom. There you go. (laughs) That's it. That's it. So we're done. That's it. Episode done. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about, you know, our listeners would love to know that when they are thinking about these skills, that when they are working on them, what are the kind of results that they should be seeking? Is it just client work? Is it creative satisfaction? Is it joy? Like, what is it that they need to be thinking about that can motivate them, get them to really feel inspired to work on these? That's such a lovely question. I think it really goes down to what is your goal? You know, if your goal is to do this as a hobby and to feel fulfilled, and I'm sure there's people who are listening in who want that, then you need to create something that you feel proud of. No matter how many likes, comments, reshares, whatever, like when you create that photo, you're like, you know what? I did good. And that is priceless. And that's, you know, I always talk about like how your heart beats faster. Like when you create something that you're really proud of, your heart just fills in a way that is different and really tuning into that because that will also tell you so much about who you are as a food photographer and how you distinguish yourself. So if your goal is to do this professionally, then yes, you need to have that element of, I love what I'm creating. I'm so proud of what I'm doing. But then you also have to have business smarts and think like, what is the market needing? Like, what are people looking for? And so if you're not getting any inquiries, then do kind of have a look around and look at the photographers who are doing well, you know, career-wise. And what is the distinguishing factor like rather than, oh, they're so much better. Like be really specific. Like what? Is it their editing? Is it their composition? Is it their light and shadow work? Is it, you know, what exactly is it that you still need to work on? And so, yeah. So I think if you really want clients, if that's your goal, then that's what you really need to work on, you know, to, to kind of see what the market requires. And then I think if you want to be an influencer, which is content creator for social media, then really what you want to look at is how audience responds. That has to be one of your key indicators and yeah, creating something that pleases because essentially they're your clients. You know, the perfect spot is where there's a little bit of everything, where Mm. you can be proud of your work, where it's resonating with paying clients, and where it's also resonating with an audience on Instagram. Like that's the perfect spot to be. But 
you know, that might ebb and flow depending on what your main priority is. So, yeah. Wow. And the more I speak to you, it's, it's just every time it's like, you need to have clarity. You need to know exactly where yes. you're headed. Yes. You need to have yes. your focus. You need to yes. create with intention. So that's over and over. That's that's something that I've, yeah. you know, I'm kind of getting the pattern. Yes. The well, like you're very <laughs> observant. You're very observant because I think, I think so many creatives really struggle with that clarity, struggle with goal setting, struggle with prioritizing their to-do list, really understanding where they're going. And I, I always say like, it's like going into a car and just being like, where am I driving to? Right. You know, yeah. It's so hard to get to your destination if you don't, if you don't know where you're heading, Absolutely. if you don't have those pointers in the right direction. And so I think always, if you know what your goal is, if you know who you're speaking to, if you know what you want to achieve, if you know what matters to you, if you understand your values in that process, like all of those things pave a path towards success. I really believe that. And it's when we get sidelined or when we get confused or when we don't take the time to unpick that. And also, it's not like you say, right, I want my clients to be top restaurants in, I don't know, Mumbai or London or New York. Like, it's not like you set that goal and that's going to be your goal for the next 10 years. You right. might like, wait a minute. Actually, I just did a shoot and it was really rubbish. I yeah, enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. You know, so then you go and you you rejig and you reassess and you reestablish your goals. So it's an ongoing process that is a little bit time consuming, but worth doing because it yields results. Yeah. And it's also just so much about knowing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. What is really bringing you joy? So Kimberly, we have so far, we've talked about, you know, ton of skills that you need, mostly out in the business world, clients, setting intention, things like that. Let's talk about photography and, you know, all the creative, let's have a little bit of a creative talk. So if we talk about photographs, you know, the kind of imagery that creators need to create, what would you say is the kind of images that photographers should, you know, be focusing on if they want clients to love their work, if they want to impress some clients? So what should be their creative thinking to create imagery for that? So I think, you know, it's going back a little bit to what I said at the beginning, no two clients are the same. So you need to firstly understand who you're trying to attract. Like, let's say you want to attract uh, restaurant photography, just because we mentioned that, like you, what you really want to do is you want to be an incredible restaurant photographer. So then think about like, what would a restaurant be looking for in a photographer. They probably need you to be able to deal with low light conditions. They need you to be able to really take some macro shots of their beautifully plated food. They need you to be able to take portrait shots of their chefs. They might need you to be able to shoot in like a busy kitchen and manage kind of that. They need you to just be able to shoot interiors. So that is a very different needs than say, if you wanted to do editorial food photography, like those clients are going to be looking for very different things. So that's really the, the tip number one is again, be clear about who your client right. is because they yep. will want different things. And then it's important that your portfolio contains all the things that they want. So for you to know what they want, you need to study maybe either what they have on their website now or, you know, wherever it is that those clients' images or type of images are like study what is being published, what's finding success, et cetera. 
And then I think the second thing, and that is one thing that applies to all food photography clients, is they really want somebody who's fresh and who's, you know, going to make their images look like top notch and a spark different. Like you don't yeah. want your yeah. images to look exactly like the restaurant next to you, right? So True. really doubling down on your style, your voice, your unique perspective, your angles, those kind of things. So those, those are the two things I would say, knowing your client, mm-hmm. and then you can create those images. And then also really doubling down on something unique that, and, and what people want, like, that's always changing. That's always changing. And so, and that's why our styles are also have to change. Like we cannot shoot the way we were shooting eight years ago. Like styles are different. As long as you maintain your, you know, secret sauce within that, then you're good. Yeah. I love that you said that clients are looking for something fresh and that has become such a challenge now. And especially because I'm sure it was different when you started, the market is crowded now. Food photography has become earth thing. Like people know what food photography is, which wasn't there 10 years ago. So it's, it's a bit of a crowded market now. Yeah. But you see, I don't look at it like that at all because first of all, I think there's enough when, when we, when I started eight years ago, most restaurants didn't have an Instagram account for which they needed to create content. So, you know, there were maybe fewer food photographers, but there was also fewer clients and there are more food photographers because there are more clients. There is enough. There always will be enough. Like that's, I don't look like, Oh my God, there's competition. Like I don't look at it like that because Mm -hmm. then I'm spending energy on something that I can't control. That is not going to give me strength. That's not going to push me forward. That's not going to allow me to show up my best. Like I, I never look at it like that. And I don't think that we should as creatives. It's hard, eh? Let me say like, it is not like I go like, Oh, you know, but, and I, again, I think when I'm just like, I just need to be focused on my thing, my voice, my style, and that's why I don't think I've ever had problems finding clients because I've never spent one pinch worrying about that the market is crowded. But definitely there, is, there goes a little bit of work into differentiating yourself in the market. You cannot be like the other person in the crowd, which is where I was going. So that's what I just wanted to hear your perspective on what do you think has helped you stand out or what do you think? photographers can do to stand out Mm. from the person next to them in the crowd? So I would, I think being on places like Instagram is super helpful and super inspiring, but only in small doses. Because I think if we spend a lot of time there, it is so hard not to have the images that we see there influence our work. So spending as much time actually, or more time behind the camera than looking at what other people do, that really helps you find your unique style and perspective. I also think, you know, like I mentioned before, having your way of working with color, color is super powerful. And there's a hundred and one different ways to work with color, you know, how you combine colors together, how you edit colors, like everything there is just going to make you special and unique, you know, like that is like a core, core thing. And then closely connected to that is really having a strong, I think I mentioned this before, having a strong editing style, like those things alone will set you up 
and will allow you to really kind of push away from the crowd, so to say. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So we've talked about so many different aspects, but I yes. think something that is very overwhelming for photographers, whether they're new or intermediate, I think pricing is always an awkward topic. It's always a bit challenging. It's always so different yeah. for different clients. Yes. So how, where would you say that pricing sits in the skill set that we need as business owners and what would be your top three pricing tips? That is a, a hard question to sort of kind of boil down to three. So I think, I think it is really important to understand pricing in order to create a profitable business. So you can have lots of clients, you can be super busy, but you might still not be profitable or create an income of which you can live if you don't get your pricing right. So to create a sustainable food photographer or creative business doesn't even only have to be food photography, it could be food styling or you could be a chef or whatever. Like understanding pricing is uh, super important. I also think almost like how you learn to work a camera, it's a little bit like trial and error, right? Like it's not like you're going to go set up your food photography business and you're going to have pricing sorted, like done and dusted. It's something that, you know, you fine tune, you explore. But I think what helps is um, understanding your outgoings so that you know how much you actually need to charge to run a profitable business. And I think a lot of people don't, especially when they start out or when they're transitioning from hobby to professional, a lot of people don't factor in their expenses. The second thing is, I always think it's good to review your prices regularly. So you Mm -hmm. set a price. And then if you have a set number of clients who have paid that, then you review and like, is this working? Like, or do I feel depleted? Am I going to be brave and up my prices? Like, you know, regularly reviewing it. and um. I also think you need to understand if and when you're willing to negotiate and also how low you're willing to negotiate towards, like what the circumstances are, like 10%, 20%. Are you willing to negotiate if it's your most favorite client ever? Or are you willing to negotiate if they buy a packet of 10 days shoot or, you know, like having those things. But it's really honestly trial and error. And that makes Hmm. it so, so hard. And there's not one formula that will work for everyone. Because we're all positioned slightly differently and we're all working with different clients. So I think those three things will really um, set you up on the right foot, so to say. And it's not something to be overwhelmed. It's just part of business. And it's one of the skills that we slowly learn with every single project and different kinds of plans. Wow. So I want to tell you something that you might not know. Have you read the book, Big Magic? Yes, um, yes, I have. <laughs> Is it one of your favorite books? <laughs> I really, really like, like it. it. Yes. Okay. It's one of my favorite books and mm-hmm. you don't know, but I've had a big magic moment with you. Oh my and, God. Yep. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there are many others who have had, and we just don't realize that it is that moment. So this happened um, somewhere in the end of last year. I love Ottolenghi recipes. And I cook his recipes and I love to photograph them in my own way. And somewhere at the end of last year, I photographed, I put it out on Instagram and I started my caption by saying, who here wants to work with Otolangi? <laughs> and then the entire, the entire tone of that caption was that we should all dream, that we should all think about, you know, the clients that we want to work with and that no matter how far-fetched that dream might be, 
we should continue to do that because it inspires us in many ways to do this. And so Otolungi was my dream client. And unbelievably, a few months later, or maybe, you know, right at the beginning of this year, I opened this email because I'm on your newsletter and I see the title, how to get a dream client like Otolungi. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, who's listening now? Who is, what's going on? This is crazy. Like, what are the chances? It could have been any other chef in the world, right? So for me, that was definitely a big magic moment. It was like, for me, it's a far-fetched dream right now. It's somewhere that I would aspire to be or, you know, one day work with a chef like that. But you are in it right now. You are living that dream for many of us because you know how many Otolinghi fans there are. So we've seen all the amazing work, you know, that you've been putting out, like what's going on behind the scenes. So give us a little bit of, you know, insight on how that came through, like, what were your skills? How did you, I don't know if he was your dream client or not, but how did you get to someone who's so reputed and prestigious in the industry? So tell us a little bit about that story. Yes. Like I have to say, I think the way I feel, how I feel about myself, I think, and how I see myself and how I see my work is exactly how you feel about your work. Just imagine you being me. Like that's like imagine what you would feel if Atalang is like, hey, will you shoot something for me? You're like, oh my God. <laughs> like that's exactly how I felt. Like, oh my God. Um, so I think there was a couple of things that led to that. So number one is I have a client um who I've been shooting for for some time. And she works with somebody who works with Otolengi, which I did not know. So, you know, she there's like one person that she works with who also works for Otolengi. And so she's like, oh my God, I have this photographer. Her name is Kimberly. Like, this is what she's done for me. I'm so happy with it. Da, 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 da. And then that person uh, was like, oh my God, I love these shots. You know, we're looking for somebody who creates exactly that kind of look for um, Otolengi. Like we really want this kind of very homely, approachable, but still really like up level, up market kind of look. And then my client was like, I can really recommend Kimberly, like a hundred percent. And then that person got in touch and she's like, listen, I've spoken with your client. She loves your work and she's shown me what you've done. And it's exactly what we need. You know, will you do that shoot for oh, us? Oh, wow. And I was like, <laughs> yes, <Okay>. I am. <laughs> I can't. I have no time oh, for it. <laughs> no, I was like, yes, of course. So I did a shoot for um him for like in Christmas time ish, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then yeah they they liked the shots and so they hired me again. So yeah, um, we saw that amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Actually, it's Thank very you. it gives a lot of hope because somewhere when we look at these chefs who are like we're reading their books every day and they're like legends, right? We don't know much about what's going on behind the scene, but then you know somebody who you relate to or you have seen on social media and you know that that is a real person. And then yeah. they go in and they say, oh, I'm working yeah. with this legend. It becomes yes. real. Yes. It gives hope, <laughs> you know. I think, you know, and this is it. Like, if you think back, I was less than a decade ago, I was sitting behind my desk, you know, in a concrete building working a nine to five. Just like whoever's listening, like I, I was there. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything special about like different or, you know, like I didn't know I wasn't in with the in crowd. I had no contact. Like, and it did happen, you know, like I did get to shoot also for my food here. So 
anything is possible, really, which is just amazing. And also because you you did work on that, you created such a client experience that they went ahead and recommended you. And that is the strongest way to kind of work with clients because they want to know who's yes. worked with whom and what that experience was. That is what yes. is a game changer. <laughs> yes. And I think that's what I mentioned in my email as well. Like you really want your clients to feel special. You know, you really want them to sing your praises because of the testimonials that they give and what they tell others is much more powerful than anything that you could ever say about yourself. So make every experience, even if it's a difficult client, even if you undercharged, even if I don't care what happened, really leave that with complete and utter professionalism. And it will come back to you a hundredfold. Always. Absolutely. I was going to actually ask you a question on if out of everything, everything in the world, what is the one thing you'd say clients are looking for in a photographer? Would you say it's experience? I'm putting words in your mouth. <laughs> it, is, it is hard because I think the what people really want, like most food photography clients, what they really want is to feel that you have captured their brand, their food in the most beautiful way possible. And they also want to feel that the money they invest, because for a lot of clients, you know, even the clients we would think, even the top-notch clients working with a photographer is an investment. Mm-hmm. You know, they really want to feel that the money they spent with you was worth their while. And that you do by delivering on time, delivering the images that they ask for, delivering in the way that they want, making their, like all those things, right? So they go away and be like, yeah, this was worth it. This was, this was good. <laughs> yeah, no, totally agree with that. So Kimberly, I have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. And just based on all your experience, everything put together, if you had to give one advice, what would be your number one advice to stylists and photographers out there who are working with clients? The one thing that you'd say to them? <laughs> okay, two. Okay, say it. Two, two. Um, I think I already mentioned it. Like really treat them. Give them a special experience. You are a service provider. You know, although you want it to be about you, it's not about you. It's really about the client and the client experience and let them walk away feeling like a million dollars. Mm-hmm. What's the second? Oh, a two. No? <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll no. stick with one. I'll okay, stick with perfect. one. Because I, I think that, you know, that is already yeah. a lot to, to do. So, And it's yeah. very powerful. I think it is everything. It's everything. But thank you so much, Kimberly. This was fantastic. Like we have always seen you talk about creativity and inspiration and social media and algorithms and just, you know, having seen you kind of shift gears recently and talk more about commercial and client work. It's amazing. And you've shared so much so generously with us today. I think it gives people a little bit of pump and I'm sure it's a little whip as well to kind of you know, get clear, <laughs> be intentional, know your purpose, know yourself, and then, you know, move forward with a vision. I think you really drive that point home so beautifully. Thank you so much for being here. Before you go, can you just let our audience know all about your social channels, your wonderful podcast and your amazing blog? Thank you. So you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm at the little plantation there. My blog is thelittleplantation.co.uk. And um, you can also tune into my podcast called Eat, Capture, Share, a podcast for food bloggers. And yeah, I think that's, that's it. That's where you can find me. Oh, and the most important thing is to join my mailing list. So then you can get the newsletter that 
uh, we talked about today and all the other bits and pieces. And you can sign up to the mailing list anywhere on my blog. Fantastic. Such an honor having you. Such a delight having you. you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks. So that was Kimberly. And did you get a good reminder of how important it is to just know exactly what you want? I mean, it's true in life. It's also true in food styling and photography. And Kimberly drove home that point again and again and again, I guess. And her success has also come from the clarity that she has had right from the beginning. I mean, three years before she even got into the market, She was already on social media. I mean, look at that vision. So we kind of have to operate from that mindset. What do we want? What do we want in life? What do we want in our hobby? What do we want in our business? What do we want in whatever we do, right? And I hope that just listening to her give you a good insight on how you can approach clients, what are they looking for, how important is pricing, how you can price, and also how do you create work that will get your foot in the door, that will get you to your dream client, and that will probably get you to Otolungi someday, right? Or maybe another chef that you dream of working with or another client that you dream of working with. So I hope that this left you with a lot of insight, information, a little kick, a little whip, because that conversation was amazing, right? If you have any questions about this episode or on the content about your skill set or how to create content for clients, then please feel free to send me an email. You know where to find me, hello at my food lens, or you can just send me a DM on Instagram and I'll be happy to answer all your questions. All right, with that, I will see you next week with another episode. Until then, bye-bye.